0: A couple of things I'll mention here at the beginning. One is, we had a garage sale yesterday to support missions, and uh, in a couple of years we'll have some teenagers going off on a missions trip to Estonia most likely, and we raised about $1,800 yesterday through the garage sale. So grateful to those who spent time working and putting that together, and uh, when I came down here about 3.30 or so just to help them clean up, it was almost all done, so Great job, everybody, for working hard on that. I really appreciate that. Jonathan already mentioned Serve Day. You have a chance to sign up for it, and so please do so in the Connection Center. There'll be a sign-up form for that. Uh, today is the last day to get your elder uh, recommendation forms in, so I hope that you've done that. If you think, oh, I forgot mine. I haven't filled it out yet. There are extra ones in the Connection Center. We'd love to have you get a connection for, or a recommendation form, even at this point, fill it out, and then uh, put it in the box. Uh, that's in the Connection Center, and today's the last day to do that, so please uh, make sure you get that done. And then I have been asked by Jody to make sure and mention that on June 19th, which is two weeks from today, at 10.10 a.m. in the auditorium will be Showcase Sunday. The kids will do their thing and wrap up their Bible school year, so parents, if you have children who are going to be doing that, please make sure you're here on time and that they can participate. And then please come at 10.10 for that time of class, uh, at the class time for Showcase Sunday and make sure our kids know that we love them and appreciate them and that we want to be part of their lives. Please come and be part of that as well. That's two weeks from today. And then I wanted to mention, although I don't see her at the moment, that Nora, Nora Ebel is here for the very first time today, but she's not in here, is she? and i bet i know where she is yeah it's either a diaper or she's hungry one of the two right yeah but maybe we'll have a chance to meet nora later on congratulations to trevor and emma for uh, the birth of their little one and we just pray god's blessings on you for sure well you may have seen you may have seen this poster five smooth stones which is the series that we began Uh, last week and then you'll notice over on the right hand side it says living truths that make all the difference and what i'm wanting to know is if you picked up on the double meaning that at least one word on this poster has and i'll give you a hint it's not the word stones which is kind of used as a metaphor here it's not five smooth stones it's not in those words in the words living truths that make all the difference there's at least one word that has A double meaning. And it's the word living. Like you may or may not know, unless you're a grammatical person kind of like me, you may or may not know that participles can have a, they can be used in different ways. They can be used verbally or they can be used adjectivally. And you're thinking, big deal, Kelly. Except it is a big deal because you can have truths that live and so they are living truths or you can live truths and so this could be saying to you that we need to be living truths living truths in fact that make all the difference and when we're living truths we'll be living living truths that make all the difference Okay, and I think that's important it's important to see that there's a couple of different meanings here God wants us to both be those who live out these significant truths, and he wants us to live out these significant truths. And so I hope you take seriously the notion of what we're trying to do here. Both meanings, of course, can work. And I hope that you notice that. I hope that that's something you focus on. We could have called this something like five truths that get at the heart of following Jesus. And that's because following Jesus is really important. In fact, Trev, go ahead. This isn't going to work for me. No, I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want you to follow me. And indeed, he does. Jesus really does want us to be followers of him. And so these are five truths. That We're looking at that will help us to follow Jesus as well as we should and let me tell you that at the end of the service today there's going to be a bucket at the back of the auditorium and when we're all done you're going to have a chance to go back and pick up a stone a living stone perhaps at least a smooth stone. And what you can do is I'm going to give you some instructions, and you can take that stone and write on that stone with the marker that's there something that will have to do with you living out the kind of life that Jesus wants you to live. You can take it home with you, and there will be something there to remind you about how it is that you need to live before him. So we are talking about really following Jesus. In this case, we're even talking about, in some sense, real stones that you can take home and hopefully will be a bless, uh, blessing to you. Well, we have also talked recently, like last year, we did a whole series on the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God means different things to different people. And you may or may not know this, that in conservative circles, at least within Christianity today, there's kind of a a, uh, controversy that goes on with exactly what the kingdom of God is all about. And the question has to do with, is the kingdom of God something that happens to you when you die? that you get to experience in eternal life and go to be with God in heaven, and so you enter into the kingdom of God? Or is it something that we participate in right now? And so it's something like this. Trev, go on. Thank you. Is this the kingdom of God? Is it just this thing that we go to, this experience we have, that lasts eternally at the end of time because we have our sins forgiven? Next slide. So it looks kind of like this. A stairway to heaven. Is that what the kingdom of God is all about? If it is, then we're definitely talking about something that happens at the end of time for all of us because of the forgiveness of sins that Jesus provides for us. And this is an important thing, obviously. But there are a lot of people who feel like this distracts us. And when they say this distracts us, what they mean is, is that we get so caught up in going to heaven when we die, that we end up not focusing on what's going on around us here. And in fact, there are lots of things that should happen here on this earth, of which the kingdom of God should be part, that we don't have any role in, we don't participate in, because we're focused instead on those things that happen in eternal life. And so, next slide, sometimes people would say this is the kingdom of God. When we begin to serve others and do what God wants us to do, we end up actually living out then the kingdom of God. So here's the controversy. Is the kingdom of God about eternal life and going to be with God because our sins are forgiven and we get to be with him in heaven? Or is the kingdom of God something like this, living it out here and bringing new reality into our world? Well, we want to phrase the question by means of a video and you will hear the question stated in a different way. Trev and Lisa, could you get some of the lights in, please? Far, far.
1: god praise you how wonderful you are
2: in my youth i look forward to the future of your church
1: in my old age i look forward to being with you in heaven
2: the church million strong unite to overcome the evil
1: one heaven million strong singing in unity to Praise the hallowed one.
2: But so many people are yet to come to know you.
1: So many loved ones have gone before me. My own daughter, Cindy, is with you ahead of me.
2: Poverty, violence, and depression are the darkness of this world.
1: Love, joy, and peace are the light of the next
2: world. Holy Spirit, give me visions and dreams of what is to come.
1: Holy Spirit, bring me comfort and peace for whatever lies ahead.
2: I have a mission for those being treated unjustly, to be treated justly
1: in this world. I have the promise of righteousness in the new world.
2: I need you, God, Jesus, and the
1: Holy Spirit,
2: to equip me for the work that is ahead.
1: I need to be surrounded
2: by you. There's so many people to heal and tears to dry
1: here. I look so forward to being with you in heaven.
2: As I feed the hungry, please give us today our daily bread.
1: At your banquet table. I will have plenty, and my soul will be filled.
2: Help me to touch a needy world with kindness like Jesus.
1: I long to see your face and be touched by your hand. There's so
2: much to do with not enough time to get it all done.
1: Days gone by each seemed so purposeful. But now is the time to wait.
2: I might die tomorrow.
1: I might still have a few good years left. And
2: I need your grace.
1: I need your grace. Your Your kingdom kingdom come, come. Your will be done.
2: On earth as it is in heaven.
0: Thank you to Elsie and and uh, Jacob for doing such a wonderful job of portraying what I think is a real dilemma. And it's interesting. I I was watching that, and I've seen this several times now, and saw it in the first service. But as I was watching, I was thinking this really does display perfectly two different kinds of ways of looking at the same question by two people who are completely different places in life. And who therefore are going to see this differently. You know, I hear all the time from young people, because I'm around some at ABC, and, uh, you know, we have the young adults here, and many of whom are in my life group. I hear all the time from people who are that age that they want something significant to be done by the church in our world. They want to make an impact. They want to see things change. And for them, for us to talk about heaven when we die... Way off in the future somewhere if you're 22 years old. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like the church has no impact. What, what are we really doing if we're talking about things that aren't going to impact our world in some way? And yet if you're Elsie Harrington, and not just Elsie, but me, and many of you, to just talk about the impact of the church on the world today and feeding the hungry, and taking care of those who hurt. That's not really entirely the emphasis that needs to be there. Surely, have you ever thought about your own demise, your own death, your own future? Of course. I know she has. She's called me on the phone and talked to me about it. About the fact that she does think about her own mortality and the things that she's faced in life. And there's some of us here who deal with those kinds of questions. And so to talk about heaven... And what's coming for us at the end is not an absurd thing at all. So we've got these two different sides and different perspectives on what exactly it means to be Christian and what our priorities should be here in this life. Next slide, Trev. Look at this passage. The kingdom of God. The presence of the reign or rule of God over and in the world brought by Jesus and seen most clearly in the Gospels and churches' impact and influence. Pretty this-worldly emphasized, I think. And we talked exactly this way when we shared about the kingdom of God over a period of four or five months last year. The fact that the kingdom is not just something that comes at the end for all of us, but it's supposed to have an impact now. Something is supposed to happen in our world, in our lives, right now, where God is carrying out His kingdom. It's not a realm. It's not a place. It's living and dynamic. In fact, we talked about how the word kingdom is a dynamic, living kind of word. It's not a place. The word basileia in Greek is not talking about somewhere where you go. It's something that is present. It's a power and presence and dynamic that is here. And so God's rule is the focus with the notion of kingdom of God, and that brings it right into our world. It's like talking about the impact of an earthquake. and We actually made this allusion last time, last year when we talked about this. The kingdom is like an earthquake. It comes into the world, and it begins to shake things up in a dramatic way that nobody can get out of. If there was an earthquake that was happening underneath us right now, and let's say that it was as big as, or impacted a region as big as the city of Calgary, and let's say it was a, well, we won't make it too big, let's say a 6.5. Anybody, you think we'd feel a 6.5 earthquake if it was happening underneath us in Calgary right now? We would. It would be dramatic. You would all be saying, stop talking. Don't you know there's an earthquake going on? And you'd be climbing into the pews or running for your children or doing something because you can't just avoid that kind of impact. And the kingdom is like that. It's pervasive. You wouldn't just have it on this side of the auditorium. It's going to happen everywhere if it's an earthquake indeed. And the kingdom of God is like that. Well, Jesus said some other things, Trev. He went about preaching And acting to bring the influence of the kingdom. And it was right at the center of his earthly ministry. And I would say even more than the forgiveness of sins. And you might think, really? I thought the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross was the forgiveness of sins. Well, that's definitely the case. But I would also say it's to include all these other things. It's bigger and broader than that. And so again, it's like a pervasive kind of earthquake that impacts everything. And Jesus then gives us an opportunity as Christians to be part of what it is that he's doing when he brings in his kingdom and begins to shake things up. And so he kind of leaves us, I think, with a question. Trev, what are you doing to help change the world for the better and this is exactly the part that Jacob Hansen was playing in the video Jesus wants to come and do something drastic in our world and we as Christians have the responsibility I think of asking this question what is it that God wants me to do to help change the world am I just going to church is that what I do and do I just give a little bit of money On Sunday mornings? Or maybe even a whole lot? And then do I think to myself, because I've gone to an assembly on Sunday mornings, and because I've given some money, and because I took the Lord's Supper for sure, I'm having an impact in my world. And I would raise the question of whether or not we are. And it would seem as though the kingdom of God is intended to do more than just save us from our sins, it's certainly supposed to do that. Praise the Lord for that. But there needs to be a broader and wider impact in our world by the kingdom of God. I want you to look at the next text. Go ahead, Trev. Look at this. Matthew 6:10: "Thy kingdom come, thy will be done." Now what exactly does that mean? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like you've read the passages like I have of what heaven is supposed to be like. No more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more sin, no more death. And it would seem as though God gives us the responsibility the, the opportunity I should say to participate in the kingdom of God so that real change takes place because God is present and doing something drastic in our world. In fact, Scripture defines jesus presence like this from matthew eleven six This is when John the Baptist sends some people out to Jesus and says, "Are you the one who was supposed to come?" Because I'm not sure I see everything happening in your ministry like I was expecting. I thought you were going to kind of take things over, kick out the Romans, take over Israel and, and the rest of the world, and lead this world as Messiah. What's going on? And Jesus says, you tell John, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And when Jesus says that, in so many words, he's saying, you go tell John the kingdom is now. And I'm bringing it. This is what we're doing. We are active, bringing in my Father's kingdom, and everything has changed. And this is clearly part of what Jesus wants us to do. You know, three weeks ago, we had my friend Mark Love here. Mark mentioned, I think, during the service maybe that, uh, that Robin and I were asked a long time ago by Mark and his wife if we would be those who would take over the care of his son if something was to happen to them. They only had one child. His name is Josh. Well, for the last few years, Josh has been in Abilene where he grew up and he's been living as part of what we could call a modern monastic community at least semi-monastic. And what they do in this house is they basically say, we're going to live out in our house the kingdom of God. That's our first priority. And so we're going to go minister to those who have needs. We're going to care for the poor. We're going to take care of those who are hurting. If we find somebody hungry, we're going to feed them. If If somebody needs a place to stay, they can come and stay with us. And they live out of their house like this church. And Josh has been doing that now for years. Now, he just moved out of that house and moved to Dallas. And the reason he moved to Dallas was because he has been hired by Central Dallas Ministries. And Central Dallas Ministries has been a ministry started by Larry James, who was a preacher at the Richardson East Church in Richardson, Texas. Larry started this organization probably 20 years ago or more to start ministering to the poor, the homeless, those who are hurting in various ways in downtown Dallas. Now, what's beautiful about this is that if I said to you, <clears throat> if I said, what religious group in our city does notable things for those who are poor and those who are needy? What religious group is that? Do you know? It's the Salvation Army. Everybody knows the Sally Ann. They're the ones with the red kettles at Christmas time. But they do a whole lot more than that. And so they have a place for people to stay downtown. They have a means of helping people get off drugs and alcohol. They do an awful lot of good works in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what I think is wonderful is that if you go to downtown Dallas, it's not Salvation Army necessarily that's known as the group that does that. It's the churches of Christ that are doing that. And now Josh Love has a chance to go and minister in that way to these people who have such great needs. Clearly, he's answering a kind of call. God has asked him to do something in the kingdom. And Josh has said yes. And so we live and think differently because the kingdom has shown itself. Josh Love is a talented young man. He's sharp. Raised by good people who've given him every opportunity. He could go places in life. And what he's chosen to do is give himself in service to those who live in downtown Dallas. And so he does what the kingdom calls him to. And so when we follow the king, when we're not just on Twitter, we begin acting in the world in a way that represents the king, and which reveals his kingdom. And so do you know someone who hurts? Be there for them. Do you know someone who needs a friend? Befriend them. Do you know someone who has earthly needs? Meet those needs. Do you know someone who needs to receive the grace of Christ? Share with him the grace of Christ. And that's so much part of what we're supposed to be doing as people who live under the king. But there's at least another aspect to the kingdom. And that's because there is something still coming with the kingdom. There is still eternal life that is coming. And so, those of you who've been around for a little while, do you remember Margaret Tidlin's attitude? Do you remember Margaret Tidlin's attitude before she died? Margaret was a lady, for those of you who don't know, who during her life here and as part of our church fostered over 40 kids. In her home. I think there were three of them that she adopted, at least two, but it may have been three. When she was in her 90s, she was still doing wee bowling. This was a lady who lived some life. And when she was 94, and life was about over for her. Margaret started getting excited about going to heaven. And so she would talk about it all the time. I'm ready to go. I want to go. I'm ready to go. And I remember like it was yesterday. The day that her family called me. In fact, it might have been Michelle Muirhead that called me and said, Margaret's not going to make it. So I went to the hospital of an evening. And they said, she's not going to make it through the night. And her family gathered Everybody was there. Uh, At one point, they asked me to pray, and I prayed, and I asked God to bless her because she was in her final moments here on earth. She knew this was happening, she was very conscious and aware. She was smiling and looking forward to it until the next morning when she woke up. She was not happy. She wanted to be gone. She wanted to go and be with the Lord. And she woke up on the next morning and was not pleased. And she lived for another two or three days after that. Well, Margaret had a perception and a vision that also is the kingdom of God. And it's not wrong for us to be thinking about our eternity. It's not wrong to wonder where we're going to be when we die. I wonder that. What's it going to be like? And with every passing day, I get closer. And those who are younger thinking to yourselves, well, of course you do. Look at your hairline. Look at what your body's doing. You're getting there rapidly. I know that. But don't think it's not going to happen to you. It is going to happen to you. Molly, I see your smile. It's going to happen to you, girl. It's happening to your dad already. If I would have said her mother, I'd have been in trouble. (laughs) So we need to be aware of this. This is happening. And Margaret's perception of that and her thoughts about the reality of that were exactly right on. Trev, next slide, please. Look at this passage. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. What is this passage talking about? It's not talking about ministering to the poor here tomorrow when they come to the door and they want food. It's talking about the eternal life that we all have an opportunity to receive in Jesus and to go to and be part of because of what Jesus did. And so not for a moment do I take lightly the forgiveness of sins that we have received from Jesus? There is a double truth, then, about the kingdom of God. And it's, that's why it's one of our five smooth stones. It's something that we need to get. Next slide, Trev. We are here to serve, even as we are here looking towards the final eternal home we have with Christ. Both are part of who we are in Jesus. And as soon as we begin as a church to think about only one of these, we are making a basic theological and biblical mistake. And our ministry becomes unbalanced. You know, I mentioned before that this has become an issue in Christianity in North America. And it has been. It's amazing the number of times that I hear young people especially talk about how heaven is just not something we need to be focused on. They end up ridiculing this notion of eternal life with God. It's as if you if you think at all about eternal life with God, clearly you don't care about the poor. Because if you really cared about the poor, you'd just be focused on that and not at this eternal life thing. Isn't that kind of selfish of you anyway? And I disagree. God wants us to focused on both our life here with him and the impact that it has on our world and the life that we are sometime in the future going to enjoy greatly with him. We need to be sowers of peace. We need to be peacemakers with a broad definition of what it means to be peace filled. We need to offer those who come to us cups of cold water. We need to bring good news to the poor, but then we need to also bring them food. Being materialistic doesn't much honor Christ. Feeding his children does. If we have a serve day next week trying to do something for those in our community, and we are, and five people show up because the rest of us think that the church doesn't really need to be thinking about those in our community who have needs, then shame on us. We need to do better than that. If we don't continue to feed the poor just because they're poor, and despite the fact that we're called to, then we've simply misinterpreted Jesus. Because the kingdom is present, it's present now, and we have responsibilities to live out the kingdom here. But it's also a mistake to think that all God is concerned about is whether or not we feed the hungry and take care of those who are sick. Ultimately, we're all going to die. And I would like to think that we're a bit different than the financial planner that I listened to on the radio this week, who, he he actually said this, this was the line, sorry James, you're a financial planner, I wouldn't expect you to be on the radio saying these kinds of things, but if I hear you, you're going to get it. The guy says on the radio, the only thing that you're going to leave your children when you die is your financial estate. And so you better prepare. And I thought, that's crazy. It is not the only thing that you're going to leave to your children. You have a legacy to leave them. You have teaching to leave them. You have a whole life that you're living that you're leaving for them. And it better include the notion that there is the kingdom of God when we die. You're passing from this world and you're going to leave your children behind. And I hope that you have something to say to them about where you're going and the hope that you have for that as you leave this world. And it is way more important than whether or not we have anything planned out financially. And I'm not saying, James, that's not important. I'm just saying that's not where it's at, ultimately. We need to encourage our children to have a completely different perspective about life, including their finances, than what the world has. We need to encourage, encourage our children, get this, to become full-time church workers and sacrifice their lives for the sake of the gospel. There's an interesting idea. Have them think so seriously about what it means to think about eternal life and the impact that they can have in our world that they end up saying, the most important thing I could do is just serve Jesus, and they become a missionary. We need to have different perspectives than we sometimes have. We don't have enough churches. We don't have enough church planners. We don't have enough people who will work in those churches. We don't pray enough about our ministry because our perspective is not this, or it is this worldly centered so often and we don't think about what God is trying to do and wants to do in our world. So what you need to do this morning with smooth stone number two is to sign up for serve day And serve some folks in your community. And then you need to come on Wednesdays. Come down here at 1130. And be here when we serve a bunch of hungry guys. Because they live on the streets. And get to know them. And then you need to look around you and see. Who in my neighborhood really needs to know about who Jesus is. And have their lives changed. And maybe you need to ask yourself, should I become a missionary? I'm 70 years old. Maybe this is a bad time. But maybe God's got 10 good years to use me in some far off land. Is that absurd? I don't think so. And if we'd made a silly, crazy decision like that, it would be because we're driven by the kingdom of God. So as I said, there are some stones... At least they're supposed to be back there. I hope they are. Some stones in a bucket. You can take one as you go out the door. And if you need a reminder that you're living not for the world and not for yourself, but for the kingdom of God this week, take one of those stones. And there's even a marker you can write on there something that you need to do, some way in which you yourself can live out what God wants you to be. Take one of these five smooth stones and do something with it this week. Let's pray. Holy Father, I thank you and praise you for the privilege we have of being your children. Thank you, God, for planting us here and allowing us to have an impact in our world. We look around us, we see so many needs, but you're the God of all of that. And you've placed us right at the center of a a community that needs us badly. We can serve here in significant ways. Help us to do that. But then help us, Father, also to just think often of the fact that we're going to live eternity somewhere. And we want it to be with you. And so I would pray that you'd help us to long for that day and help us to long for and have a vision for bringing others with us into that eternal kingdom of yours. Thank you for the kingdom of God who brings these notions together in our service to you. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.